Hey everybody, before we kick off today's episode, Antonio T. Smith Jr. here, and I just want to tell all of you that if you're an avid learner of self-growth, if you want to change the quality of your life, I'm on my major events, WonderCon 2024, it's almost here. The dates are March 17th through March 22nd, that is 2024, and you can go to the website inside the show links to get to all the information there. It's in Houston, Texas. There's also a bunch of opportunity for online tickets as well. So you can watch the event live. Plus, you get the opportunity to keep the video for life as well. With an array of expert speakers, including myself, interactive workshops and a plethora of experiences, it promises to be a transformational event that you've never seen before. Please know in person, there are limited spaces available and get all the details to secure a spot on the show notes. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better, you can dominate. Oh, goodness. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Integrity Leadership Call. Glad to have everyone on this evening. I'm about to get out of the way of greatness and introduce to you one of our very, very special <laughs> trainers today. This gentleman, he's on blue shirt today. Don't, don't let the fool y'all. He likes red a lot. But anyway, this gentleman, he, he knows what he speaks every time he, he is set to teach and always a joy to listen to and always a joy to have fun and laugh with. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Reginald Paul. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. That's, that's- that's the traditional speaking. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. How's y'all doing out there? All right. Now, me, I want to I want to dive straight in because uh, I had to make two phone calls. Uh, starting off with chapter seventeen and the conversation with God. Now, look. Before we even start, let me tell y'all something. As I was reading this book, that the conversation with God, uh, the part where God was actually talking. Uh, he was having a conversation with me. I've been having conversations for uh, what? What you say? What? What? what earlier about uh, what you say? Two months? About two months? Yeah, about two months. Six? Okay, I I shortchanged it. Don't don't worry about it. You know me and numbers. You know I switched numbers up in a minute. Let's see about six months. And uh, chapter seventeen is very interesting, y'all. I don't I don't uh. I, I went on to the to the rest of them, but seventeen is really really interesting. It's it's gonna touch, it's gonna move, and it's gonna shift. Just like right now, we're in a shifting. This is a shifting time, and I know somebody uh, understands what I'm talking about. This is a shifting time. It's shifting the atmosphere. It is shifting the atmosphere. It's a lot of it's a lot of downloading going on. If anybody's familiar with downloading, that's when you don't do too much talking. You just do a lot of listening. And you're downloading. This is the stage that I'm in. I'm in a downloading stage right now. So uh, I want to say thank you to everybody that was on the, on the car earlier this afternoon because I got a lot of good nuggets out of that. So uh, it's my turn to, to let this book do the talking. Amen. 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 Now, page 585, we're in a conversation with God. We're at the end of the road, end of the book. And that's where the meat was at, at the end of the book. Uh, and it starts off 
is say, now that's what I want to hear. That's what I came here to experience. Inspiration and not degradation. How many came to be inspired? You don't have to say nothing because we're on a phone call. So let's let the book do the talking. Now, I put this is a very important point. And it says, you are never degraded unless you think you are. You are never judged or made wrong by God. We've heard that all day, haven't we? <laughs> I mean, what's supposed to be presented in the class today? I guarantee everything that's supposed to be presented in the class today, we've been talking about this all day long. That's what I was really intrigued about when I was reading this, because that's what we've been talking about all day. It even, Antonio, it even had, it even had the part when you was talking about buying that city. It even has that in the later on chapter. But I'm going to get to that later on. But I just had to throw that in there so I can remind myself to make sure I get to it. Because chapter 17, I man, I had called uh, two of my sisters and told them, I don't even know if we're going to get past chapter 17. And I put, I put don't defeat yourself. Because it says you are never degraded unless you think you are. You are never judged or made wrong by God. I want that to sink in for a little bit. And I let it sink in for me. Because again, like Antonio said, I've been, uh, I'm not going to say the explicit version, but as I, and I agree, and we've been joking around, but we did serious that I've been messing up. But that messing up is a good thing because I ain't messing up. As long as I'm aware that I'm messing up. Now, it'd be different if I wasn't aware. All right, now. So it says a lot of people don't get this idea of God who says there's no such thing as right and wrong. I heard that earlier today. <laughs> okay, so that's double confirmation. We're going to give a thumbs up to double confirmation. It says, and who proclaims that we will never be judged? It says, well, make up your mind. First you say I'm judging you, and then you're upset because I'm not. Let's <laughs> go talking now. You know, because sometimes we, we, you know, we don't want to be judged. We don't want nobody to tell us how to do anything. But in the same, on the same, on the other side of the pillar, we need somebody to correct us. I'm just talking to myself. I'm not talking to nobody on here, man. I, I, I'm just, I'm going to talk to myself today. And when I finish talking to myself, if anybody else can relate, then we can, we, we can have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? We can have dialogue. We can go back and forth. We can have, we can converse. We converse in this universe. I'm going to start rapping. We converse in the universe. Okay? So, I want somebody to tell me how you can never degrade. You are never degraded unless you think you are. and You are never judged or made wrong by God. I want somebody to explain that. And I want them to explain it from a today's point of view. From a today's point of view. Just, just from today. How you can never be made wrong by God. The floor is open. Well, I will go, big brother. Not just from today, but Antonio has been on it for a minute, you know, saying this very thing. You know, um, God says there's no such thing as, as right or wrong. And even when. <clears throat> Whatever it is that you do in your life, somebody else's thoughts are in your head. So it's not you that's saying you right or wrong. It's somebody else's thoughts that's saying you're right or wrong. 
and um, and and then it it's been sticking in, in in the back of my mind and say, hey, okay, whatever I did, is God mad at me for that, or are you mad at me for that? You know, so um, that's all I've been. That's really what's been playing in my head when you've been going over this and what was going been going over today, been going over today earlier with the call with Antonio. Yeah, there are not a lot of things that God gets mad at, but we got two, three hundred tablets of everything that we have that we get mad at. And so that's that's what comes to my head. As well said. As well said, sis. As well said. Anybody else? And if not, I, yeah. Go ahead. Hi, this is Corey. Um, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I'm just fine, Corey. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, as I was reading this, I think the conversation that keeps on coming up for me is, and I'm sure I'm butchering in this statement in, in the book where it mentions it's like there's no such thing as right or wrong, but it's just based on what you say you're up to. So it's like, Looking at it as, I think it's like, it's not necessarily looking at what you're doing, but it's more importantly, what you say you're, you're up to creating. And it's just like, if you're not, so it's, it, 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 it's, it always goes back to self-reflection. And what are you creating? What are you doing in this moment? And um, God's never really gonna judge you. And the other thing that comes to mind is, Everything in life and for people is always a condition, even though it's like the idea of unconditional love sounds so beautiful. But when it really comes to day-to-day -day practicality, it's so difficult to actually accept. Because it's just like, oh, you know, like somebody always wants something from me. You know, it's just like no one would actually give me something. And um, I think in the world like that is always a lot of, in this world, there is a lot of give and take where it's just like, oh, you know, if I do something nice for you, I expect you to do something nice for me as well. And um, so it's always like this, quit, what is it, quid pro quo <laughs> situation, something like that, where it's just like, you know, eye for an eye, like I have to do something for you, you have to do something for me, I have to treat you nice, I expect you to treat me nice and all this other stuff. But it's like, there's always some level of condition. So it's always always going back to you. Like, are you doing something just to do it? Or are you doing something because you're expecting some level of return from someone else hmm. or something? And um, I think for God, if God sees that, like he just does or just bees, so to speak. Not necessarily does, that's not the right word. But God, the only thing God does is be. But the world is so caught up with the doing that we forget that we're human beings. And um, so for myself, it's just like, that's, that's just really what comes up for me in that conversation around God can't necessarily, can't judge you because we look at God from our perspective, from the doing aspect, from the real aspect, from the practical aspect, but we don't necessarily see that he is that person who can just, we can probably do the worst and he's less like, you know, I still love you. Yeah. But we, 
because we deal with that guilt in our own minds, we can't imagine a God that can do that for us. So that's really what comes to mind when I hear that. Thanks for sharing that. that, that uh, while, while you were speaking, I was thinking about, well, how many gods have we created? <laughs> how, many gods, how many gods have we created? Because we have a god for every situation. You know, what fits our situation, what fits our atmosphere, and how our God will react to that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, how, as far as treating people or what people expect from you. Mm-hmm. And that's, 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 uh, that's, that's dangerous. Because now you, instead of the God that we all talking about, you know, that everybody wants to talk about, we didn't create it all. We got about 17 little gods over there. With, with different with different agendas. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, we got about 17 different guards with little different agendas. Like, you know, somebody uh, earlier today, like somebody did something to me. I'm going to do something. You know, they got me, man, you got me messed up. But, you know, uh, earlier in the conversation today, it was like, well, my dreams versus telling that person you got me messed up. But I, uh, and the reason why I repeated that, because that's a nugget that I put in my pocket, by the way, sir. I went on ahead and took that stone from you and put that, you know, I steals from you at all times. And and I put that right into my pocket because I can't let nobody, ooh we. I'm I told you I'm talking to myself. Now if I'm relate to somebody, I can't let nobody I can't I cannot take on somebody else's atmosphere. My atmosphere is already big enough. I'm gonna take on somebody else's atmosphere. Now we was talking about carrying somebody else's weight. Okay, you can carry somebody else's weight. That's cool, you know, because you some people strong. Come on now. Some people stronger than others. Some people can carry some of their weight. Carry an atmosphere. Watch that's too heavy. That's that's too heavy. You carrying an atmosphere now. That's a whole nother atmosphere. You got your atmosphere, that person atmosphere. And earlier this week, somebody was speaking of I think that was Dr. Trash. We were speaking of uh, something in your household. It don't necessarily have to be a person. Yeah, I've been listening all week. All week. I've been taking all the notes. I've been quiet as a church mouse. Taking all the notes. Because I got to, cause so I'm, 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 I'm uploading all data right now. And I'm deleting all junk. I ain't going to do it. I'm deleting all junk mail. All trash. And I don't need it. I don't need it. And uh, for those who just joined, I, I was just, I, I didn't even, I'm not even in the middle of the first page of the first chapter. I'm just on the second part where it says, you are never degraded unless you think you are. You are never judged or made wrong by God. And I asked, could, could you share why you wouldn't be made wrong by God? So, uh, before we move on, if there's anybody else that would like to share something on that, the floor is yours before we move along. There should be some shouting. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it should be some shouting. Uh, but I know y'all shouting on the inside. You can shout on the outside. You can shout on the inside. It's cool. It's cool. But I got to shout on the outside. I got to give. I got to do it on the outside because it'll do something to my atmosphere. And, you know, so it, it might spread. Somebody else might just might catch what I what, what I'm throwing out there. And then, you know, the, it, it, it's, it's going to spread. But 
if I know that I'm not made wrong by God, because too many of us, we fall off because we made wrong by somebody else. Somebody else said, we, we fell all the way off. We didn't, we, we, we butt hurt. You know, I can't believe, come on now. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe that he or she believes that about me. Okay. Let me just share with you. Go ahead. We're not we're not made wrong because we're made right in his sight. So he can't judge us because he's the one that said that we're not to judge others. So if he stands around and judges us, then he's going contrary to his word and God cannot lie. So when we take all this on, all, all of this sin on, our own selves and our own shoulders and we start judging ourselves because a lot of times we're our worst enemy. For years, I was my worst enemy. And so it didn't matter what other people were saying. I was saying and feeling this negative, uh, emotional, I was an emotional wreck is what it was. And so I used drugs and alcohol and everything else to cover that up, to cover up that pain, but it was own self guilt. It wasn't guilt from the church. Avenue L loved me. <laughs> it wasn't guilt from my family. My family loved me, but it was guilt from myself, my shame. And all I wanted to do was to get out of the pain. It never was because God's word said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you always. So no, some of the, thing, the things I was doing, he did not like but he wasn't judging me for it because one thing for certain, God already knew what we were gonna do before we did it, before we said it, before we thought it, that's what makes him God. Thank you. I, 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 that's what I was waiting on, the, the, the judge part, because I knew it was gonna come to surface. I, I knew it was gonna come to surface. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Now, uh, I'm going to the next, I'm still on the same page. You say, God say, why are you counting on heaven to correct what you call injustice? Do not the rains fall from the heavens? Of course, the answer he said was yes. And he said, I tell you this. Now, every time he gets, <laughs> now when he said, and I tell you this, that's, that's when we should uh, pay attention closely. He said, I tell you this, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And he says, but what about vengeance is mine, said the, the Lord. And he said, I never said that. <laughs> I, I, put, I put in my notes comedy because uh, he has a sense of humor. You know, God said, I ain't never said that. One of you made that up. Come on now. You say, one of you made that up. And then he said, and the rest of you believed it. So somebody made it up and then the rest of us believed it. That's the people that's inside your head, right? That's the people that you, you know, the, what we were talking about that earlier? We was talking about that earlier, okay. And it says, uh, justice is not something you experience after you act a certain way, but because you act a certain way. Justice is an act, not punishment for an act. And that's why I paused. Because I put that in some special parenthesis. I don't know what kind of parenthesis that is, but that's just how I, I'm not gonna show you the drawing. But uh, it, it, justice is not something you experience after you 
act a certain way, but because you act a certain way, justice is an act, not punishment for an act. Because, you know, I'm seeking, I should seek justice. I, I, I'm looking for justice. He said, I see the problem with our society is that we seek justice after an injustice has occurred rather than doing injustice in the first place. So when I read this, I'm going to ask the question because I have a question for that. It's like, he said, right on the head. This is what God said, right on the head. You hit the nail right on the head. Justice is an action, not a reaction. Do not, therefore, look to me somehow, fix everything in the end by imposing some form of celestial justice in the afterlife. I tell you this, there you go again. There is no afterlife, but only life. Death does not exist. And the way you experience and create your life as individuals and as a society is your demonstration of what you think is just. And my question is, what do you feel about that? And the floor is open. It's right there on page 586. Death does not exist in the way you experience and create your life, the way you experience and create your life as individuals and as a society is your demonstration of what you think is just. I do a lot of work with uh, lawyers and they have continuing education credits. And the greatest line we got out of the process of working with lawyers is lawyer had a sign on his desk Justice is in heaven. Down here, we simply practice the law. <laughs> Sweet. That was like a two-edged sword. That's why all we see is facial expressions. <laughs> all we see is facial expressions. I, I, the, the, look, I'm going to tell you what... Uh, it said, I tell you this, there is no afterlife, but only life. What do you feel about that? There's no afterlife. What have we been told for a long time? Oh, just wait till you get to the golden paving streets. Straight up, though. Come on, man. Wait till you get to the golden paving streets. It's going to be. Well, what about right now? Can't you put that on earth right now? That's later on. That's later on. Because you could put that into action right now. You have gold on the streets right now. You're going to wait till... <sighs> you're going to wait till you're dead? I, I don't... I would, I would like to... Red, I just want to see about... Raise your hand if you would like to see that right now. Raise your hand. Matter of fact, raise your hand if you believe it. Raise your hand if you believe it. I believe it. I believe I can see it right now. I believe I don't have to wait until I'm finished. You understand what I'm saying? I believe I, I can do it and I can see it and it's going to come to me before I can't breathe no more. And that's what he said. Exactly what he said. He said, and in this, you do not see the human race as very evolved, do you? I mean, if the whole evolution were placed on the football field, where would you be? And well, he got to talking about football. He kind of got to talking about sports. And he kind of kind of started talking about a little language right here. And uh, the conversation goes, he said, you're kidding. He say, on the 12-yard line, he say, you're kidding. He said, no, we're on the 12-yard line of evolution. 
You say, hey, you've moved from the six to the 12 in the past century alone. Any chance of ever scoring a touchdown, of course, if you didn't fumble the ball again. He said again. And he said, as I've said, this isn't the first time your civilization has been at this brink. I want to repeat this because it is vital that you hear this. Once before our planet, the technology you developed was far greater than your ability to use it responsibly. You're approaching the same point in human history again. It's vital important that you understand this. And the rest of this chapter was, was talking about technology. And the part that, that I put small parentheses on, say your present technology is threatening to outstrip your ability to use it wisely. Your society is on the verge of becoming a product of your technology rather than your technology being a product of your society. When a society becomes a product of its own technology, it destroys itself. And I say, wow. Because we, we as I, I, I wanna say, we, as, as I look at technology and how technology is, especially in the present day, and the last sentence says, when society becomes a product of its own technology, it destroys itself. But technology, the atmosphere, the universe, all that is technology. It's all technology. You say, why is that? Can you explain that? You say, the crucial is the balance between technology and cos cosmology, the cosmology of all life. So basically, it's just been evolving. It's just how we use it, how we put it into to, to effect today. They say, your present technology is threatening to outstrip your ability to use it wisely. Your society is on the verge of becoming a product. And the re I mean, I, I keep reading it over again because that's, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Our technology is really, it, it's good. And then it, it could be used for the worse if you don't use it the right way. That's what I was just marveling on. Well, before the invention of the printing press, the amount of information we put into our personal computer was like this. And the time we took to process that information was like this. Now we've flipped that. This amount of information we put in here is like this. And the time we take to process it is like this. And we wonder why we've got ticks and we're overstressed and we're anxious and we're, we don't know what to do because we got too many choices. And that's what you have to understand. Once you understand yourself, then you can understand your choices better. And I've said this before, we used to say content is king. Hmm. Well, content isn't king anymore. You want content, Google anything you need to Google and you'll have more content than you can absorb in this lifetime or if you're a Shirley MacLaine or in any other lifetime. Where the rubber hits the road and what Antonio and Tempris and Diana and Grace are so good at is context. How do we take whatever content is available to us through all the ways in which we can get it and make it relevant to what we want to get done? And that's the key right now. That is. Thanks, Phil. Can I please say something? Yes. Um, I just want to say that um, I, I really appreciate um, what we're discussing, especially the, 
the, the, the comments that were made earlier about what the Bible says about vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and how that was made up. That was a construct that was made up by human beings. You know, because all, all these teachings are just helping me to unlearn and relearn certain certain belief systems that I, that I've grown up with my whole life, but I've always questioned in my heart and in my mind, you know, and I just, I, I'm just so, I, I know I say this a lot, but I'm just so grateful to have this community because I just keep learning new and amazing things about the universe, about God, about spirituality, you know, yesterday I was talking to one of my aunts and I was telling her how I, my, my relationship with God now is the closest it has ever been. And I feel like I have such an intimate relationship with God. But this intimacy that I have developed with God, it's not something that I learned in the church. It's hmm. not something that I picked up in the dogma and the rituals of Christianity, the way I have been raised. It's something that I had to discover for myself from asking questions, even, I mean, and it was a discovery that also was helped by my husband. He too, he too is one of those people who's, he's a thinker, he's very deep and, you know, and so a lot of the, the revelations and the truths that are becoming my reality are things that I have picked up along the way from my own inquisitive mind. You know, and I, I'm just so blessed. I'm just so blessed. So, yeah. Thank you. I can hear it. I can hear it also as well. Well, every time you speak, you can you can hear it when you speak. It's been two weeks, but I I, I know that voice. I know that spirit. I, <laughs> I know that energy, and it's very it's very pleasant. And uh, I get the same way. Like I said, uh, when I when I join the calls and I just listen instead of opening my mouth, because sometimes I want to open my mouth, but sometimes it's not time for me to open my mouth. It's just time for me to receive. And what I've been receiving for the past just this past week, I even told I told my sisters, I told them I say, boy, it felt so good to be just back around the the, the office. That took that took that took some some. Man, that that took some extra clothing off that I'd have picked up along the way. You know what I'm saying? And I I feel light on my feet. I feel light on my feet. I I, I feel I feel motivated listening to listening to the happiness and seeing the happiness. Just like the boys say, with the happiness calls, it'd be a happiness call every time you join one of these phone calls. That is that is the true happiness call. When he says happiness calls, these calls are the happiness calls. Because when you listen to other people who just share joy and, and, and share their experiences and all the love though, like, this is a place to receive a lot of love. Corey, you said unconditional love. You just sit on one of these phone calls and then just receive all that love. You, even if you're not a talker, you just want to say something and just get in and, 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 and get you some of that. And that's what I like about it. And that's why, you know, on page 589, it's something that kind of, it's, it's a paragraph at the end. And on my side note, I put ATS because it just reminds me of ATS. 
it totally reminded me of ATS. And I'm supposed to get to it. And the party, he's still talking about football. He say, you're getting me a little scared. He, the, the, the author was like, you're getting me a little scared. It's, it's all lost then. Is the game over? He said, no, but it's fourth and 10. You know, if anybody know about fourth and 10, you need, that's crucial. If you ain't get ten, if you ain't getting ten yards, you you just give it to the other team. You understand what I'm saying? And they can take over, and they can, and it depend on how it, it depend on what the situation in the game is. If you need that ten to win the game, and you don't get it, you fall short, and yeah, it's, it's a wrap. And that's what I, that that's what he was experiencing. That's what our author was experiencing. He said, "No, but it's fourth and ten. It's time to throw a hail mary, and the quarterback is looking around for receivers in the clear. Are you clear? I'm talking to myself too. Are you clear? Are you able to receive this? Reginald, are you able to receive this? Are you able to receive what's supposed to happen? That's why I know when Antonio tell me, you've been messing up for a long time. Reggie, are you ready to receive it? I say, yeah. They say, I'm the quarterback, and the last time I looked, you and I were wearing the same color jersey. Now, is that some comforting words? You don't have on the other. You don't have on the other uniform. You got the same uniform as a as, as a the number one quarterback in the world. And he said, "Are we still on the same team?" He said, "I thought there was only one team. Who was the other team?" He said, "Every thought which ignores our oneness, every idea which separates us, every action which announces that we are not united, the other team is not real. Yet it's a part of your reality." <laughs> You done made that up. When I went on my little ventures, <laughs> I made that up. No, I got to receive this, man. I got no, I got to receive this here. I made that up, man. In my mind, I made that up. And then it goes on to say, the other team is not real, yet it's a part of your reality, for you have made it so. If you are not careful, your own technology that which was created to serve you will kill you. My own actions, my own thoughts on how I operate, turn around and kill me. Antonio, open that door. Antonio, open that door. I, I just seen my death. Open this door. I ain't never closed it. Are we on the same team? I did a, I did a little, uh, doing a little trailer about my journey in ATS. And one of the things that I talked about is, I'm just sharing a little bit, because I have been mouth closed. I, I, I took two ventures. I took two ventures. One venture was with one job, doing telephones. It wasn't selling them, they was government phones. And he let me go do it because he understood. He understood. Now he understood. And he even witnessed me go through ups and downs with that. But he never closed that door. Never closed it out one time. I came back. It was more love than what it was before. And I left again. <laughs> left almost, I left longer this time than what it was the first time. I left longer this time. Hey, people, it was so lonely. Let me tell y'all something, man. Hey, man, 
You talk about lonely. You talk about lonely. That's a lonely road, man. That was, but hey, that's the only way I can learn, though. That's Reginald's way of learning. Reginald, you ain't got to do that, though, man. And I had fought, I, I, I fight myself because I feel like that's what I got to do to, to live. Don't I say it all the time, though? I just got to live. I just got to go out there and live a little bit. And, you know, you just shake your head and be like, no, you really don't. <laughs> yes, I do. Leave me alone. And they say, right now, I can hear some people saying, but what can one person do? And this is it. This, this is what described, this is the point I want to get to about ATS. It say, and I wrote, this is what we need to do. And the reason why I put this is what we need to do because this is this explains ATS. This, this is what explains ATS to me. They say they can start by dropping that we can one, they start by dropping that what can one person do stuff. I've already told you there are hundreds of books on the subject. Stop ignoring them. Read them. Act on them. Awaken others to them. Start a revolution. Make it an evolution. Revolution. That's why I say that sound like ATS. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. Because I always said I want to be unfiltered and I want to go out and I want to what I always say, tell me the truth. I don't want to hear none of that bull call, man. I don't want to hear none of that stuff, that traditional stuff. I don't want to hear none of that stuff that was passed on. I don't want to hear none of that stuff that was passed down. That stuff ain't real. Tell me the truth. And I know you're lying. You understand what I'm saying? It's a difference when you know you're lying. You when when you know they're lying. You know what I'm. And then there's a difference when you come around somebody like you know what? This is exactly why. Thank you for putting me where I'm at. Thank you for being where I'm at. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do what I'm doing. Period. That's me paying homage. That's me being thankful. That's me doing everything that I need to do to the universe so I can stop planting sunflower seeds because they salty. It says, I've already told you there are hundreds of books on the subject. Stop ignoring them. Read them. Act on them. And every time I listen to Antonio, he say, I just read this book. The making of tile flooring. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He just, every day, I, I, I went to the office today. What book was that, Grace? What book was that? I sat down on that couch. <laughs> I, what that book title say? Is, is it why when other when others make your life difficult or why others make your life difficult? Something I threw that book clean across that I threw that book clean across that apartment. Clean across I just threw it. I said, who put that book right there? And the first person I thought of, you know who I, I know who put that book there. I know who put that book there because they know I sit in that spot. I know you put that book there. I know you did. You can shake your head all you want to. You put that book there, but but still, man. This is what we need to do is make an evolution revolution. And when I hear when I hear y'all speak, y'all moving, man. Feel when you speak, you move. You move. You you hear knowledge. You hear wisdom. You hear experience. All the strong women that, that speak, you hear their strength, you know. Brother be needing that, man. <laughs> I be needing that. And I got to stop running from that. 
I have to stop running from that, man. That's 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 good eating. That's that's neck bones. I don't even eat bones. I like real meat. Anyway, anybody else has something? I, I, anybody else has something that they that they want to say? Because I spill my guts. <laughs> on, on chapter seventeen, I spill my guts. On the whole chapter seventeen. The floor okay. is open. Come on, guys. The floor is open. Y'all know this is a place of complete safety. So come on. Let's, let's hear what you got to say. What I walked in on, I'm ready to hear. I'm talking <laughs> on Abby speaking. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, part of what we're doing here is we're preparing ourselves. I mean, think of a college football game. It's four 15-minute quarters, right? So it's one hour. So if you play 14 games during the whole season, you're only on the clock for 14 hours. And depending upon whether you play offense or defense, you're on the clock for seven hours. So what do you do? What goes into preparing you for those seven hours? And that's what these calls are about. That's what listening to Reginald's all about. That's what reading the book's all about. That's what praying all about. That's what's exercising all about. That's what eating right all about. Everything we do prepares us for the times that we're on the clock. And that could be with a fellow human being. That could be with a kid. That could be with a parent. That could be with a sister or a brother. That could be a stranger. That could be the lady at the cashier's when you're checking out at the grocery store. Are you preparing yourself for the moments in time where you need to be where you are to make a difference on this planet? And I believe that's what this whole system's all about is what we're creating here, is we're creating that opportunity. And I'm thankful I'm involved and I appreciate having every one of you pour into me because you're making me a better person. No problem. Receive. Boy said he the quarterback, didn't he? Didn't he say, I am the quarterback and I'm looking for my receivers? Who else want to receive? And this is all I hear when I get on the phone call is people receiving. I have the joy. You know, I say, come on, joy in the morning. You know, I, <laughs> I feel so good right now. I, I'm come sorry. On, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel good, man. I, it's been a good week. Been around people that I love. Being around people who genuinely care. When you're going through sobriety, you come out that drug addiction and you denied it all these years because you, you know, I ain't no drug addict. I ain't killing and stealing. And then you had to tell yourself that you're, yeah, you're an addict, Reginald. You're, you're an addict. And I accepted that. Every time I accepted what I truly was, the outcome was, the outcome was just wonderful. This journey, man, this journey that I've been on. Whew, some days, if it wasn't for y'all, just just me, just being around y'all, making y'all laugh. If that's all I can do, then that's hey, hey. But I know, I know, 
Because I told I told him in one of these private messages, I say, boy, if I could just touch the garment. You understand what I'm saying? If I could just touch that garment. So all I got to do is just touch that garment, man. I just believe. I, I said that when I had a sermon uh, on a Saturday. And I was talking about you just got to believe. I believe it, man. I believe it through other voices that he used. It, it said it in, his, in, in the book that he used authors. He used songwriters. He used everybody that's on his phone call. And one of the things, uh, again, I'm on chapter 18. Now I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to chapter 18. And I'm on page 597. Right dead smack in the middle. 597. He said, hey, we share. Don't we? Don't we share? He said, hey, we share. No, they are. Sh they share everything with everyone. Not a being goes without. All the natural resources of their world, of their environment, are divided equally and distributed to everyone. A nation or a group or a culture isn't thought to own a natural resource simply because it happens to occupy the physical location where the resource is found. What did you say earlier that made so much sense that you co-authored this book because you said, I want a city where money is not, you, you get what I'm talking about? We ain't even going to use money. And then today I come and, and I come and I come across this. This is the second time that I'd have heard that for the second time. Y'all ain't hear me, man. This is the second time I'd have heard confirmation for the second time in one day. He say the planet or planets which a group of species calls home is understood to belong to everyone, to all the species in that system. Indeed, the planet or group of planets itself is understood to be a system. We were talking about the matrix earlier, wasn't we? We, we was talking about being in the matrix. We was talking about being in the system. We was talking about Neo not being conscious enough. And anywhere it go, it was planned in the system. It say it is viewed as a whole system, not as a bunch of little parts or elements, any one which can be eliminated, decimated, or eradicated without damage to the system itself. And I believe that's what that young man just said he wanted to create. And with somebody with that thinking process that's way uh, above his time and past his time, yeah, I'm be right. I, I got to, I got to. Be in that shadow. I know you five foot two, but I duck in your shadow. <laughs> if I got a duck, I'm a duck. I'm gonna get that shadow. I'm gonna get some of that. You said the ecosystem, as we call it. The ecosystem, as we call it. Well, it's larger than that. It's not just the ecology, which is the relationship of the planet's natural resources to the planet's inhabitants. I, I mean, I was just, I was just comparing it. Comparing it to what I'm in and what I decided to do. That's why I was excited about the chapter 17, chapter 18, the, the whole of the rest of the back of the book. Acts, Acts, 2, Acts 2, 44 and 45. The faithful all live together and own everything in common. They sold their goods and possessions and shared out the proceeds among themselves and according 
to what each one needed. Hmm. I like somebody's writing about them. Share their resources. <laughs> Share their resources. <laughs> Gave up all their possessions. Ahead, Abby. All of them. Uh, oh, I just wanted to... Um... I just wanted to touch on what Antonio had said. He he put something in the chat about um, about God's love and how a lot of Christians are more comfortable talking about condemnation and judgment instead of God and God's love. And I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a broken record or anything, but you know that has been my reality in in the church in in the church. You know where it just seems like people are quick to judge and point fingers and act holier than thou. And I mean, growing up in Nigeria, you know, and I'll give you guys a bit of a backstory. Um, like, I, like I've mentioned in the past, I, I, I grew up in a household where my parents went to church every Sunday and they took us to church every single Sunday, Pentecostal, Christian, conservative environment. And when I met my husband and we started dating and courting, I got pregnant out of wedlock. You know, I, I got pregnant before we got married. And I have absolutely no regrets, none whatsoever, because I know, I know that I did not make a mistake. But because my father is a man of God, quote unquote, you know, because he's very much into the church and he's very much about serving the church you know, I was like me and my husband were basically like thrown to the wolves, not, not completely because my dad was protective of me and of us. But I remember I, we had to come in front of our church our, in, in Lagos and we had to confess our sins, so to speak. And we were basically like... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I rated, like, you know, almost like I had the scarlet letter on me, on my chest. And we were basically shown as an example of what not to do you know, and I remember feeling so shamed by that and feeling so condemned. And, you know, it, it's kind of ironic because these same people who were so quick to point fingers and judge and condemn, they're now the same people who are like, oh my God, I've been, blah, blah, wow. Like, 
you're, 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 you're doing well. God is blessing you and your husband. But the point is, why did we have to go through that shaming period? Like, why, why did people have to feel like they were better than us or they were more righteous or holier than us just because I happened to get pregnant? I mean, how many of us or how many of them or their children are involved in premarital sex, but they just don't talk about it. And it's, it's kind of like a hush hush topic, but everybody makes sure that on their wedding day, they're wearing a purely white dress and uh, they're not, they don't have a bump. So anyway, not trying, again, not trying to sound like a broken record, but I just feel like there's just way too much condemnation in the church, at least the church, the kind of church environment I grew up in. And it's, it's exhausting. Wow, thank you so much, Abby, for your transparency. I <laughs> I assure you, there are quite a few people who heard that and they are shocked but are not shocked. They're, they're more shocked at the fact that what happens here happened in another continent, but they're not shocked because that's how today's Christians are, and that's the part that hurts the most. Uh, Mr. Smith asks if he could speak on this. Um, Mr. Smith, Michelle has her hand up. So do you want us to let her go first and then you speak on it? Or would you like to speak on it and then we uh, open it up to Michelle? Let, let me speak. I won't be long. I typically wouldn't say nothing, but I'm compelled to do so. Abby, in your understanding, in your language, in your religion i want to give you peace may i do that i want yes, to okay I'm, i want to speak your language with your religion and give you peace and remind you of something david slept with bathsheba was not his woman was not his call and then killed uriah and then the Lord took that child from David and David fasted, didn't matter, gone. There's something very important here. The moment it finished, David stood up, got back by his business. But what we do not teach is David did not put Bathsheba down. He married her. She became his wife and then they had a second child and then they had a third child abby this is where you listen to me and don't you ever forget what i'm about to say and the fourth child was solomon out of this union that was not recognized by david's father out of this union that the church so to speak, did not approve of, of David, came Solomon, who would heal all the land, who would be the greatest king out of David's mistakes, God gave Solomon. Abby, God, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you God's plans are absolutely including your mistakes. And don't ever forget it. That's your scriptures. You sound like David. You don't sound like a sinner. 
you sound like the man after God's own heart. Congratulations. I'm done. What are you talking about right there? <laughs> what are you talking about right there? Wow. That revelation. Definitely. That was a word. That was a word. Yeah. Do you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you, you got that relationship where you can just be around somebody and they don't say no words and you just feel, when you depart, you feel so good and refreshing? Yeah. Everybody just put your receiving uniforms on. Put on your number 88s and your number 80 and receive it. Mm -hmm. Remember Michelle, I'm sorry. <laughs> no sorry. Miss Abby? If you if you would like to, we would like to open the floor to you to respond to what Antonio just said. Only if you would like to, and then after that, Miss Michelle, the floor is yours. Um, I just want to say that I'm I'm grateful, and I am I I am free. I am free, and um, you know I've always I've always loved David. I've always loved that character in the Bible. Um, he, he, he truly was a man after God's heart. And, he, and what I love about him is the fact that he wasn't a perfect man, but he was a man after God's heart. So I receive that, Antonio. Thank you. God bless you. All right, Miss Michelle, the floor is all yours. I now wish you would have let me go first before he came in. <laughs> because, like, that. But I'm glad he said what he said because I could somewhat small piggyback on that. Um, Abby, I just want to tell you this. I got two kids out of wedlock. <laughs> I laugh about it now because I don't care no more. <laughs> it is what it is. Okay. But when I got pregnant the first time, I was in the church, I was in the ministry, and I sat myself down because I knew I was pregnant. I did wrong, bottom line, okay? I did wrong. So, but when I started showing, then the people started talking. And at that time, when I was with the my son's father, he's a true, from the street gangster. So he got wind of it, because people were talking about they was gonna, um, they was gonna, um, now I'm pregnant. I don't have no deals with you, but they was going to, front me out and hurt me huh so he got wind of it and his sisters got wind of it and they told him well you don't have to worry about it we we gonna be around michelle we'll fight heck i'm pregnant i'm gonna fight who are you <laughs> but he was like michelle i need you to go to your home church so i won't kill nobody <laughs> hurt nobody and so words so i was like okay i did that and until I had my child and I came back with my child, everybody was all in my face and I told them, get out of my face. You ain't for me. Then I got pregnant the second time. Now, I say that to say this, for the church people, don't worry about it. They are who they are. We flesh, we human. They gonna judge, bottom line. They letting the enemy use them. But the second time that I got pregnant, nobody knew. Heck, I was still mad. But I went to another church. I was visiting my sister for the holidays. 
And that Sunday we went to church. The preacher I knew, and I went up for prayer. He didn't know that I was pregnant. Nobody knew. And guess what he said? He said, Michelle, God told me to tell you, I forgive you. He didn't know I was pregnant. Nobody else knew I was pregnant, but Michelle knew she was pregnant for what? The second time. So it's all based on your relationship with God. And I'm glad Antonio said what he said. David was a man after God's own heart. We come into this world in sin. We all sin. God knows that we all sin. But God still used David. He killed somebody. God still used, um, oh goodness, Samuel, who got drunk. <laughs> you know, God still used Peter that cussed and chopped off people's ears. He's still going to use you as his vessel to share, show his love. So he, regardless of what the people do, as long as you know that you and God got it together, just like God told me through a, a person I knew that didn't know I was pregnant, Michelle, you're forgiven. Same for you. Honey, lift up your head. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's all I got to say. You know, the joy of the Lord. And on, on my second pregnancy, I went back to my church and then Kev, they talked about me and still shouting and praise the Lord, holding my stomach. And I dared any one of them to say something to me. <laughs> all right, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Abby, for your transparency. Thank you, Michelle, for your transparency. And thank you, Mr. Smith, for that word of wisdom that you gave us on this evening. All right, Dr. Trask. Oh, I think she unmuted by mistake. Well, uh, Reverend Reginald, I'm going to pass the mic back over to you. The floor is yours. All right. I got one more, uh, I got one more message. I just want to, one more point. And uh, it's on page 602. At the bottom of page 602, it says, you have to change your idea about who you are in a relationship to your environment and everything in it before you ever act differently. <laughs> it is a matter of consciousness and you have to raise consciousness before you can change consciousness. That's three times. That's three times for me. Three times third confirmation. I, 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 I'm done. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. You have to change your idea about who you are in a relationship to your environment and everything in it before you ever act differently. For some, it's easy to do. Some, it's kind of difficult. It's kind of difficult. Anybody got anything to say about that? Change your idea about who you are in a relationship to your environment and everything in it before you ever act differently. Mr. Phil, I thought you unmuted. Go ahead, the floor is yours. No, I was just gonna ask that somebody forget to check their battery in their smoke detector, but that was just another issue.
You are the best. <laughs> I'll, I'll speak up on this one, Reverend Reginald. You have to change your idea about who you are in relationship to your environment and everything in it before you will ever, will ever act differently. You have to change your idea about who you are in relationship to your environment. You can't you can't let your environment determine who you are. And if you don't ever know who you are in the inside before you step into any environment, that environment will define who you are. It's just like, I can't remember who said it. But if you don't know, it's the same as if you don't know who you are, somebody will put who they believe you are on you. It's the same with your environment. If you don't know who you are, whatever environment you step into, that environment will shape, form, and define for you who you are. So you have to know who you are. And the best way to know who you are is to, like Michelle said, have that relationship with God. Know that relationship. I promise you, before I read this book, I still have my questions. I still do my studies. But I felt like this, I felt like each one of these books, God was talking directly to me. Because you can ask Antonio, I, I told him, I said, I want to know who he is. And he asked me, well, what do you mean? Like, how, how, because I asked him what type of study Bible, what type of Bible should I purchase? Because and he was like, what do you mean? Like, how are you asking me? <laughs> so I didn't know how to direct you. And I was like, I want to read the Bible like a story. Because I want to know who God is. Like, I don't, I don't want to know about the people. I want to know about God. Like, who are you? I know about the people. I know all the stories. We grow up hearing the stories. But to actually, in order to be in relationship with somebody, you have to know who that somebody is. So it's just, so in, to me, and knowing who God is and reading conversations with God and learning more about who he actually is and not who I was told he was better helps me know who I am. So no matter what environment I am in, that environment, I don't conform to that environment. That environment conforms to me. So that's how I took that particular part right there. You don't walk the shoes off your foot. <laughs> you don't walk the shoes clean off your feet. You barefooted. Go ahead, Mr. Saunders. The floor is yours. Um, I think I don't know. For me, I I definitely struggle struggle with that. Um, because you grow up in these environments where you are put in a box or you labeled, you know, according to what race you come from, what belief system, what um, um, academically, uh, and there's all these different things that you have to work through in order to 
you know, come to this idea or this realization or this, this sense of enlightenment of who am I? And that is knowing yourself is an ongoing journey. You know, when do you actually know yourself? Is it at the time of transitioning from this realm into the next where you realize that you are just an entity that is in the vehicle of a physical body, you know? And when you try to, sometimes I try to put that in a, a, a religious sort of context because, you know, I want my religion or my way of life to make sense. I grew up in two households where my dad was Catholic. I was baptized. My mom was Muslim um, and they divorced. So every Sunday I would go to church, but during the week I would go to religious Islamic school, you know, and so you have these two doctrines of, of thought, but in many ways are very similar. And I think the way man teaches uh, uh, religion and is from a self-righteous perspective. And as uh, Antonio was saying that, you know, you've got to lose that self-righteousness because I think that veils you or inhibits you from making contact with this infinite being or this this being of abundance and um to the young lady who you know who had experienced that that incident of, of shame being pregnant i think you know the way we are taught in religion is to think of yourself as better than someone if they are perceived as as a sinner you know so you you have to work through these personal sins these personal labels um, in order to get to this place of who of who God is. And um, I, it's something that I, I, I struggle with because in my mind, I know God is all love. God is, you know, abundant. Um, and I don't know if this is in scripture, but my mom used to say that, you know, uh, God says, be still and know that I am, be still and know that I am God. And I think only once I've had that experience and that was in a workshop. Um, and, and even going through that experience was, you know, going through some trauma and, and past regression in order to get to a place where I am nothing, I need nothing, I want nothing because I am everything. And it means a total abandonment of everything that you've learned over the couple of decades in your life. And I think letting go of that is that in itself can be traumatic for people because they are familiar with this idea or this label that they have with themselves, kind of like a trauma relationship. You know, you just, it's not so much that it, it, you're so used to the trauma, it's familiar to you. So you'll, you'll set back in your old ways. Um, so for me, the, concept of you know of knowing yourself is yeah it's I don't think I've come to that place yet you know I don't that's all I have to say about that may I say something please yes yes ma'am go ahead and thank you thank you Dawood for your transparency thank you very much most definitely 
Trust me when I say I grew up in the Pentecostal church. You know, you was like Abby said back in the days at that time, you had to go before the church and ask for forgiveness. My mom had to do that when she was pregnant with my twin. With twin. Um, and then as time came, then they just sat you down. So everybody knew who sinned real bad because you were sat down. You wasn't working in the church anymore. Um, but as I got older and he said, you know, God said, be still and know that I am God. I, I just want to tell everybody, Deanna, you know, keep reading that word, the, the word of God, the Bible. I love doing it. I think I read the Old Testament, the good, the, the good books, Genesis, Exodus, the one that got the stories. <laughs> I read that it's like over and over again, because even though we're not living in the Old Testament days, because all of us would be dead if we was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was, you, you saw who God was, okay? And now that we're in the New Testament, we still see who, who God is. So I tell everybody, find, seek God for yourself. Not what everybody else say or what everybody else do. If you read the word of God, if you read the Bible, when you're reading it, before you start reading it, ask God to open up your mind, understand it, and speak to you about it. The way he see fit, that he wants to let you know what he meant and not listen to somebody else take it out of context. And so I'll just encourage everybody that because I have had many, many, excuse me, intimate moments with God where I found out for myself or who he is, you know, Many times I was on deathbed, sick as a dog. I, used, I was a former chronic asthmatic. And one time I didn't go to the hospital. I went home and could barely breathe, literally barely breathe. But I still laid on that couch and went to sleep. But before I laid on that couch and went to sleep, I said, God, I believe you in my healing. I believe that you've healed me already. And I should not go through this anymore. Guys, I couldn't breathe. It, I was at the point where you would stick a tube down my throat to help me breathe. But I didn't have no strength to get up to take myself to the hospital. But I had to trust God. That's why I said you have to have your own personal relationship and know what he can do for you in your life on your own personal relationship. Guys, when I say I woke up, I woke up and I was able to breathe. Guess what? I didn't have no tightness in my chest. I, I could breathe. <laughs> no wheezing I literally woke up a new person as if I wasn't even sick and I share that to tell show you when you have your own personal relationship with God when you believe God for his word and you know who he is you don't have to worry what the hell everybody else say yeah I said it because they from hell when they let the devil use them okay they let the enemy use them that's coming nothing from the pit of hell you don't have to worry about what the hell everybody else say seriously because we wouldn't have no children's church right now if people lived according to the word of God. <laughs> all these kids running around, so who has the right to judge you? We're going to all face our judgment when Jesus come back. That's on the judgment you need to be worried about. Other than that, are here on earth? <laughs> Go kick rocks. All right, I'm going to shut up. Bye. Thank you, Ms. Michelle, for your transparency. It's hard to put in my place in. Um, I I commend you, Dalu, for 
your transparency because when you said how you grew up, some of us didn't grow up in split households like that. Like not you, you grew up in two separate belief systems. And I heard you say, while well, some of the teachings were the same, that was still two separate belief systems. And I commend you for the growth that you have, because I don't know if you can tell or not, but you have chosen your path. Like you are literally on the path of knowing who you are just from listening to you speak. And the only reason I know that is because Antonio taught me. Like I would not have been able to to pick up on the conversation that you were having with us if it had not been for Antonio teaching me. See, what we miss the most about God is that we are each individual experiences of God. And that's what that's what we miss. You know, we get so tied up in what man has taught us about God but we miss the fact that we we are God like we are individual experiences of God so when we catch that we we already know who we are we just have to remember that we're here to love and I I sent a a, a private message to Antonio and Tippis and I thanked Antonio for recommending all three of these books conversations with god one two and three because if you actually pay attention to the books it's called conversations with god you don't have conversations with people you don't love you don't have conversations with people you don't care about so to me the ultimate the ultimate of the ultimate about who god is is love he literally took the time to answer Neil Donald Walsh's questions and, and, and did it over a course of years, not just in one conversation, but over the course of some years. He answered all of his questions. And at the beginning of one of the books, he actually says, you know, this book isn't for me. It's for each person who reads it, and I'm paraphrasing this for each person who reads this, because how many of y'all have had the same questions that Neil Donald Walsh asked? Like, who are you? What is this? We found out last week exactly why sleep was invented. <laughs> and I was, that's still a crazy thing to me. I've been talking about that all week. But the fact that God took out the time where we think he's this this being of source where we are insignificant to him, he took the time to have a conversation with one of his experiences so that the rest of his experience experiences can understand that no, what you know about me is wrong. I love you more than you know. I care about you more than you can understand. So since you have had the worst experience, let me come to you and tell you exactly what it is. So let me have a conversation with you because I love you. So while we are all seeking who we are, deep down inside of you, you know who you are. 
We are individual experiences of God. He wanted to experience his creation. So that's what he did. Grace is a different experience for me because we grew up differently. Antonio is a different experience for me because we grew up differently, but we're all one in the same. So as you go forward in your life, whatever your beliefs are, and that's why that last, let me go back to it because Reverend Reginald hit on it. What page was it, Reverend Reginald? Six what? 604. No, 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 Thank no, you. Sorry. 602. Thank you. At the bottom. So where he that appreciates you. Mm-hmm. So where he said you have to change your idea about who you are in relation to your environment and everything in it before you will ever act differently. You have to change your idea about the fact that God does not care about you. You have to change your idea about the fact that he does not love you. You have to change your idea about the fact that you are insignificant to him before you can do anything and you will act differently. You will act like the God you are. You, um, there's something you said that you said, I, cause Antonio caught it. Um, if you can help me, Antonio, he, he was like, I, I have not because I need not because I have everything, something along those lines. Um, it was, I, it was about defining yourself in terms of stripping away the labels that I am nothing, I need nothing, I want nothing because I am everything. Thank you. Once we realize that, because that's who God is, God doesn't want anything. God doesn't need anything. He is everything. When we realize that, we'll understand that, as Antonio used to tell us, the grass doesn't fight to grow. It just grows. The birds don't fight each other to fly in the sky. They just fly. But we fight each other every single day. And we were created in his image. We are of his essence. We are his experiences. So once we grasp that, can we imagine how we will act? Like we will literally walk around here loving each other like we were meant to. So I thank you, Dao, for your for your transparency. Abby, I thank you for your transparency. Michelle, I thank you for yours. And Mr. Smith, thank you for the words that you delivered earlier because we forget that God uses you regardless. So thank you for reminding us of that. Reverend, oh, go go ahead, Mr. Phil. Decide the person you want to be. Start behaving as if you were that person and you will be. Mm. Thank you. I was about to say, Reverend Reginald, speechless. 
speechless. I'm just, I, I really hope that you, I desire for all of you to go back and reread Conversations with God, one books one, two, and three, because they really will change your life. If you're open to, you have to, you have to be open. Like you can't hold on to your current beliefs. You have to be open to receive something new because you don't know what you don't know. But you do know that there is something seriously wrong about what you're, about your current beliefs because they don't fit with something deep down inside of you. See, before I, before I came to Antonio, I used to question everything. I stopped, I stopped going to church because I'm like, I didn't want to read the, I did not want to read the Bible because I'm like, something about it is just not right to me. <laughs> it's like, I feel like something in here is wrong. It's completely wrong. And Antonio helped me because he explained to me, no, it's not wrong. You just have to change your perception. And he taught me how to read the Bible. And then here comes conversations with God. And it just completely just answered every question. Like, oh, okay, really? And it confirmed for me what I was being taught by Antonio. You know, so I'm grateful for that. Uh, Ms. Monica, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Reverend Reginald. And then, Ms. Monica, the floor is yours. Yeah, Ms. Monica, you can go ahead. You can go right ahead. Okay. Okay. No, I just had something quick to add because when Michelle was talking, um, you know, I think she's 100% right because for me, when I was growing up Catholic, my, especially my grandmother, who was super Catholic, she had a, an altar room in her house. Um, I grew up learning that you pray in the morning, you pray at night. Um, I couldn't, I had to be kneeling, you know, there was, there was always a certain way to pray. There were just so many rules. And I think as I got older, I realized, you know, you eventually you realize that something's not right. Something's not working. And I was actually talking to Dr. Trask about this. I don't know if it was early this week or, or last week, but I was telling her that I actually feel closer to God now than I ever have before. And I don't go to church as much anymore. I'll go with my parents if I'm in town and they go, not because right now we don't because of COVID, but I'll go for them. But I just, I feel closer now than before. And I don't pray only in the morning and the evening. I do it at any point in time in day. If, if I'm in my car and I want to do it, I do it. I have my conversations throughout the day and it's helped me. And it's helped me for the past, I would say two or three years. And whenever I do ask for something, I typically get an answer. So I think it's, I think you're, we're just uh, using Antonio's word programmed sometimes that there's certain ways we have to do things and there's not do it your own way. And, and you'll realize that it, it actually does start working. And, and it, it's a big relief when you stop worrying about what everybody else is going to think about it. And I think that's when I felt better when I stopped caring what other people thought, you know, especially with me, you know, and, and being gay and all that stuff. I stopped caring and I felt better and I felt closer to God when I, when I stopped caring about people. So, or what people thought of me. So I think, you know, Michelle's on point, like it's not, it's all about you and your relationship and that's it. It's not about anybody else, just you and God and, and period. That's it. That's right. That's right. I, I, I want to piggyback off what everybody, the, the last latter part of it. Because it's saying, 
It is a matter of consciousness. And you have to raise consciousness before you can change consciousness. If you're having a conversation with God, you're probably supposed to raise your consciousness. Point blank period. You have a conversation where you're going to raise your consciousness because I'm not going to say that I was curious, but I just know if it come off somebody else's tongue and my soul is rejecting it, my spirit is rejecting it, my atmosphere is rejecting it, I know later on somewhere down the line he's going to put me around somebody that's going to touch my curiosity. That's going to touch it like, because I'm an ax. I'm not scared to ask. Do you understand? I'm not scared to ask. I'm going to ask. But I know he's going to put me around. He's going to put me around what I need to be around so I can ask. Because I can't just dry ask the person that's been telling me the same story over and over again. The same story over and over again for years. You ain't elaborated. You ain't putting nothing extra in it. It's just been the same story over and over again. And the raise of consciousness is just, you could be sitting alone. You could be alone. You could be walking down the street. You could be going to work. And you can hear his voice because you got to recognize his voice. You you know who his voice is. You know what he sounds like. And when you have that conversation, you know that, okay, in his timing, not mine, because I understand that too. His timing and my timing is two different timings. And I know right on the time that I need to know what I need to know, especially on the road that I'm walking on, I know he's going to raise my consciousness because I want my conscience to be raised because I don't want to be lied to. I, I just, I, I had to, I wanted to say that. Thank you. Thank you for your transparency. One of the greatest things that I've learned is your teacher is everything. Your teacher is everything. I've had the opportunity to have an amazing teacher on different in, in different aspects of my life. And if it had not been for it, if it had not been for me asking questions, who are you? Who am I? Why am I here? I would have never been led to my teacher. Antonio T. Smith Jr. taught me a lot. And I used to question my teachers. I really did because I something in me was like, there's more to this and you're not telling me. Or the question that I kept asking, no one could answer for me because they still hadn't learned for themselves. So I was led to a teacher who instead of telling me, well, God is this, God is that, asked me, how do you want to learn about him? and then guided me to how to learn about him and answered the questions that I had. Didn't direct me to, to more questions, but answered the questions that I had. Your teachers mean a lot when it comes to who you are. But in order for you to be able to raise your consciousness, you have to be willing to release what is currently in your consciousness. You have to be willing to release what you have been taught. You have to be willing to release the box that you were put in in order for someone else to fill you with what you need. See, Dao, just like you, all of us 
have been put in boxes. All of us have been told, this is what you have to do. This is what you're supposed to do. This is the path you're supposed to go. But something in us was like, I just don't feel like that's right. Like there has to be more to life than this box. And once you get to that point, that's when you have to be willing to release and knock down the walls of the box that has been that you've been placed in to open it up to the the limitless. See, being here, not just in the in the integrity leadership class, but in ATS, in the Bureau of Dominant Speakers, in whatever aspect that you are in this network, you have no choice but to release what has been put in your consciousness. Because being here, you have to raise your consciousness in order to receive your prosperity. And I'm talking about prosperity in every aspect of your life, your emotional prosperity, your physical prosperity, your mental prosperity, and your monetary prosperity. We limit what prosperity is because we don't have the understanding of what abundance is. Once you understand what abundance is, you'll start releasing a lot of things because we're taught limitations, and that's what we miss. Like, we're growing up, and we're, we, we are taught limitations, but God is all abundance. We are all abundance. Go ahead. The floor is yours. You're 100%, you're 100% right. I mean... Uh... You know, my fear is, is, especially in school, was to speak up, right? Because I never thought that um, my opinion was of value or whatever the case may be. But I realized over the years that it was because of the condition that we and the political climate that we grew up in. And um, though my parents may have had it harder uh, because we, you know, they grew up in the middle of apartheid and we caught the tail end of apartheid, so 80s to mid 90s. And, you know, you, it, it was legal for uh, these practices to be implemented where you were separated from other races and you were told repeatedly that you weren't good enough for X, Y, Z and what bus you couldn't get on, what beach you couldn't go to. And sometimes we would go to beaches that we weren't allowed to go to and then we would get chased away and um, or the police would chase us. And so, and you know, a child, especially during the first five years of his life, that's the, his most formative years. And you, you grow up in this environment, even though there's a lot of buffering from your parents, you know, you are aware that there's something amiss in this environment that you know, your parents are on edge when you go into a specific place, you know. And in my family, um, I was the one that was a little bit dark, <laughs> a little bit dark. I don't look dark, but I was a little bit more tan. Uh, you know, my parents were a little bit more, um, especially my mom was a little bit more fan complexion than my brother. And so whenever they would take me to certain places, you know, there would be a sense of edginess uh, or they were on edge. And... Um, or if a bus would pass by and I'd be like, let's get on the nice bus. And my brother was like, nope, we're not allowed to go on that bus. You, And I mean, I knew the reason, but it doesn't, 
as a child, you, you're resilient. And these things are just like water off a duck's back. But I think as you get older, the, the more energy you give to it, because you start not to reflect on those things, the more it becomes a part of your narrative. And then you start walking around with this narrative that maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I'm, I, you know, because I've been taught that I have certain limitations within this country that I've grown up in. And, you know, by the time I was 14, it was only then that our country was going through this transitionary period of uh, democracy. And, but by that time, those, the groundwork had been set in stone. So to, you know, for me, it's like you have to go into that foundation and literally dig it out in order to set this new foundation of how to perceive yourself, uh, how to view yourself as this, uh, this being or this entity that is connected to this infinite source. And while you can comprehend it in your mind, experiencing it in your heart is a, 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 is a different challenge altogether because you have this chemical reaction that's taking place that's making you feel that, no, you're not good enough. You know, it's, it's, it's a whatever, whether, whether it's sadness, whether it's a, a kind of depression and you have to literally go against the grain of that emotion in order to create this, this shift of consciousness. And I think that is where the struggle lies in that you, you, from books that you read, from people that you listen to, from the frequencies and the vibrations that you experience from people, you know that that's where you wanna be and, you know, and the level that you wanna vibrate on but sometimes you feel like you don't know if you're going to get there. You don't know if you're going to get there. Anyways, that's what I went through. I just needed to release that. That's where the limiting belief systems part of it comes from. Uh, yeah. That was good, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thank you very much for releasing. Reverend Reggie, I was just saying, man, I, uh, thanks for everybody that participated on the call. Everybody that oh, shared, everybody that didn't share, man, uh, definitely felt felt warm on the inside. Definitely felt good to, to hear everybody speak and, and to give what they want to give, even if it's just getting stuff out. And that's what this is for, you know, because you don't want to harbor this stuff in. Mm-hmm. And you gotta let it out. You got to, because you don't want it to be bottled in. Because you get around something, and then they didn't pop the top off, and you didn't, you didn't popped off. You didn't, Peter popped off. <laughs> you didn't, Peter popped off. But man, it, it, again, I know this is a good week for me, and I, uh, it feels good to, like I said, the two weeks felt like two years. But you know, I had to take care of that side of my recovery. Cause this is recovery just as well. I need this just as well as I need the recovery classes. So I like to say thank you to each and every one of you that's on the call. And again, uh, Antonio will be speaking. He he, he he's next week. He he didn't supposed to say nothing today, but he he spoke today. I guess he was warming up. Yeah, he's a '97 time All Star too, just like Anderson Barajal. 
So uh, we'll be looking forward to that. And uh, we'll, we'll see y'all again, same time, same day. All right, y'all have a good night. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And thanks everybody good for night, sharing. Good night, everyone. Good night. Yeah, good night. thank you very much.